Hawks continued what's become a fairly generous trend this season, playing their opposition back into form, Frio cruising to a 69-point win. It was a step backwards in the eyes of many fans, and the road gets harder this week with Hawthorne set to take on Melbourne at the MCG. Plenty to get to in this edition of the Hawk Talk podcast. My name is Nick Mason, and with me as always is my co-host, a man who I imagine was equally apprehensive about watching the replay of what was a disappointing performance. G'day, Tiz. G'day, mate. Yeah, no, it was a disappointing performance, but uh, it was one I felt was coming. Uh, for a young side like this, doing the travel we've been doing, resting a couple of blokes that obviously needed some rest in Brewston and uh, CJ, um, it just sort of felt like something like this was going to happen. If it was going to happen, it was going to be off-Broadway where the fans weren't. And uh, Frio have been looking for an easy target for a while, and, and they got it. Well, I tend to agree. I just thought that this kind of loss was in the post, maybe a week later against Melbourne. Because, I mean, they're the premiership contenders, right? They're, they're going for it this year, yet again. And Fremantle are not much chop, but it happened the way that it happened. And, um, yeah, as you say, it was due sometime. I just thought maybe it was going to be a week later than it was. Well, as we speak, you know, they're going back to the tribunal, Melbourne, because they need that extra forward against us. They are worried, Jam. <laughs> They've got to play us and Frio the next two weeks, and I don't think they can get past them without uh, Van Ruyen or whatever his name is. So, you know, maybe we've got a better look this week than you think. No, it's about the fabric of the game, mate. It's about what's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what. That's why we always go to the cricket. Uh, to the uh, foot. To the um. I, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so much conjecture about the fabric of the game this week. It's out of control. The parameters of the pantomime have changed, mate. You can't do anything anymore. You pay your money. Should be able to do what you want. I agree. <laughs> I'm being completely disingenuous i i don't think that's true but i also don't want to get wrapped up in a debate about booing because i've had a gutful of it this week i've had enough oh thank goodness for that because i was just about to boo the old <laughs> idea of actually going ahead with that it should be a lot of fun on on uh on saturday afternoon what evidence do you have to back that up no that's just my nervous <laughs> attitude about going along to the mcc when Melbourne are actually looking like they might win one. Look, we're, we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. We do need to talk about this game. Uh, it wasn't fun for the most part. It wasn't fun catching up on it. I had a pretty good Saturday evening, and then knowing what was awaiting me the next day in the form of the replay, I wasn't looking forward to it. I did notice that Harry Morrison came in for a bit of flack from supporters, but that was interesting. Uh, 24 touches at 75% disposal efficiency. Team high, 551 metres gained, eight marks, that was second only to Blake Hardwick, five inside 50s, three score involvements, the same amount of clangers as Newcomb and Day. So I was sort of left wondering, why him? Why was he the target? I'll tell you why, because it looks like he's got more time and space than Newcomb and Day. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah, he plays on the outside. And, and there were a couple of things that I did see where... He clearly had time to weigh it up. There's what that that out of bounds on the full was pretty inexcusable. So the big headline for me out of this game, probably if if you look back on it at the end of the year, and and we're not going to. But, <laughs> oh no, we do, don't we? We do, we do do that. We have a whole podcast looking back. But for this game, the note would be Warple MVP and Lloyd Meek turns up and makes it look like he could be an AFL ruckman for us. Yeah, that's true. A little bit of conjecture around Warple though, because although he was voted MVP, running at 48% efficiency, another example, mate, of the highlights package being cleverly cut together just to obscure where those footies actually landed. Yeah, 
that's but that's what that's the that's how it's happening this year. Look, we're we're fantastic in the in the clinches. We get the ball. It's just that possession after you've collected it to the outside or or even to the. It's it's just it's either hot potato or immediate turnover generally, and that's what happened with Frio. And we used to do it when we were really good. We'd let the opposition get the footy, then we get it back in space and just make make them look really really quite ordinary and that's what happened because if you're getting the ball on the outside as Frio were interception or otherwise then they have complete rule over how they're going to use it they can construct the play and they can and they they did quite readily create holes in our defense yeah I thought they did really well actually we did have a couple of shining lights I think Will Day 26 touches and seven clearances was pretty good your boy Connor Nash just keeps on turning up 26 touches himself at 84.6 percent disposal efficiency oh it's so good to see some consistency like I'm just wrapped for him but I was really wrapped for Miki 80 80 percent game time and he was the top super coach scorer with with only 12 touches like I was <laughs> like what's going on here should we be here? a little bit concerned about that or <laughs> I, I really don't know how that works, but uh, he laid two tackles, he had two clearances, eight contested, six uncontested, six marks, and three intercept marks, which is the which is the main highlight for me. The intercept marks are important for this side. I am somewhat shocked. I'm taken aback that you had cut in on Connor Nash's stats, mate. I had more to tell you about how good a game he played, if you'd let me. Nah, look, it's becoming a little bit passe to, oh, to say how good Connor Nash is now. Connor Nash, old news. What about McDonald? He played well. <laughs> let me let me tell you about Connor, because he had a team-high eight tackles. Three of them were inside 50. Now, the reason I bring it up... Are they the only three inside 50? <laughs> Well, he had the most of the team for that stat, three tackles inside 50. The team had a total of four. Wow. Well done, Wings. He obviously had the other one, did he? <laughs> I'm actually not sure. I'd have to look it up. But uh, Frio had 12 to our four, which I thought was disappointing. Nash also led the way for pressure acts, posting 21. Now, that's kind of low. 21 should give you an idea of the pressure we actually brought to Frio. It's not that great. Uh, and to wrap up the, this little segment on Nash, indulgent for your tears, he had three score involvements as well. So I thought it was a pretty good game. Did he have many free kicks against? I noticed we lost the free kick con- contest again. I mean, not contest, count. That's right, free kick count again. Yeah, 21-10 to 10 in Frio's favour. I think ill-discipline really cost us early in the game. It became a narrative throughout the whole thing. Um, but not only that, it was turnovers from defenders that proved costly too. The differential in pressure between uh, our back, what our backline was experiencing and what their backline was experiencing was ridiculous. Exactly right. And, and we just can't afford to be that lax, not with the kind of forward efficiency that we have. I mean, as Mitchell pointed out in the presser, by half time we had 29 inside 50s for just eight scores. This is becoming also a recurring narrative in our season where the midfield's going great guns. We've improved that area of the ground uh, beyond what I imagined. I think we're, we're doing really well there. But there's no connection. We're just not making the most of that. Also, that that forward line, as much as Mitch Lewis uh, is playing well and looks good and is definitely the go-to guy, it's really disrupted the other guys around him. Like Green, he he had a great moment in the first few minutes, and then after that, uh, obviously, like is he being too reverential to to Lewis or? You know, he needs to just tell Lewis to park his bike somewhere else at times, I think, because he <laughs> he needs to back himself. I mean, we noticed we noticed it at at, um, at Box Hill even, yeah, uh, that that he would 
let others, because he's such a team-minded player, uh, that he'd let others take the take the mark or he'd let them take the lead when it, it really should have been him. He's obviously the best forward at that point. And now we're seeing a similar thing where Mitch Lewis is obviously top dog, but Mitch needs to turn to him and go, "Hey, you got, you got to come for the come along for the ride as well." It's a it's a two way street here, and I just think it got to gel a bit better. He wasn't injured, was he at all? Um, Green it was a sad tale behind the footy. I thought the back line was shown up quite quite easily, actually. We're just going to get to some miscellaneous listener questions. This first one from Aiden. In Sam's first season, we established our rebound off the back 50. In his second season, we've added a strong stoppage game. What's the next string that needs to be added to the game plan next season? I feel that team defence is desperately needed, along with scoring power. Team defence and scoring power? Diametrically opposite. (laughs) Yeah, well, I suppose so. And I was a bit bored on the Sunday, still, you know, recovering from the the late-night exploits of the LSO, you know, at, at Hamer Hall. Just a fantastic evening. Didn't didn't get to sleep, mate. It was so exciting. They, they know how to party. <laughs> Before you know it, it's a third symphony, then a fourth, then a fifth. Wow. <laughs> and then I put on... Uh, who did St Kilda play? My goodness, I can't even remember. It's such a forgettable game. North. <laughs> North. That has to be the worst game of football. St Kilda didn't even make the 40-point margin. That's just ridiculous. No, it's it's been denounced as one of the worst games of the year. Yeah. So look, you can I think you can cop team defence, um, but Sammy's been talking about how the forward line's performing all this year, really, and um, they haven't got the mix right. They haven't got the structure right. They haven't got the ball movement right. They haven't got the running patterns right. A lot of things are going wrong forward of the footy. And it's not all about the delivery because you can good forward lines can cope with poor delivery not every week but some weeks okay because you're going to get beaten in the midfield every now and again but yeah it's just not and they're not even kicking the goals when they get the opportunities either we're we're the worst in front of goal in the league and you know it's just not it's not up to standard okay so. They're going to need some really big changes, and I'm not sure it's available to them in in personnel. Even with the mid-season draft, I don't think there's anyone they're going to pick up. No, no, I'm glad you got out ahead of that because that's my concern, is that we have, you know, our injury list is populated very minimally at the moment. I think we've got four on the the sidelines, and I'm just not sure if this is easily rectified right now. We've, We've got almost a full hand of personnel available. We've got the ability to make changes, but what changes do you make? If we're looking at scoring power... I think they had the mix right with two rucks, one resting forward, I really do. Yeah, well, there you go. I, I flagged that from the start of the season, but Jack is injured, Cozzy's out of form still. Uh, besides that, I think Butler's earned a recall. We'll get to him a little, little bit later, but in terms of uh, the, the key position forward is what we're crying out for, to complement Mitch, and we just don't have that right now. And then you look at the other end of the field, if we're talking um, purely defence, we need someone to relieve Sicily. He's been hung out to dry basically all season, and it doesn't seem like all of a sudden, I did not anticipate this, but Blank is not the answer. I really thought he would improve this year and take his game to another another level yet again because he looked pretty serviceable last year. Okay, so he, he he's in, I want to explain what I think is going on with Blank. He's put on weight to meet AFL opponents. You know, not such a big weight <laughs> difference. I think um, 
one of the largest weight differences I saw in one-on-ones the other week was uh, row bottom versus danger field. It was about 25 kilos. Now, in the midfield, that's fairly obvious, but if if you're putting on weight like James Blank has to try and combat the big gorilla forward, um, you're just not going to be fast. And that's his problem. He's, he's got really slow. I, I don't think he fits the mould of what Mitchell's trying to do, and so I think it's been natural to overlook him. I think, I think he does. Uh, he just needs to uh, smarten up his, his, his speed because your body has to adapt. He's still very young. I wouldn't, wouldn't be too worried about him. Um, but I'd, yeah, there's some, there's some odd stuff going on in the, in the twos because you see DGB pushed forward as well. So we'll get to all that later. But James Blank, you don't, you don't feel he's the future now? No, no, no. I, I won't go so far as to say that, but his development stalled. I thought he'd be getting a lot more opportunities than he has been, but it turns out that he's a, a lot more raw and greener prospect than I anticipated. And so what we have is just a limited number of levers to pull right now. I think we do need more scoring power. I think we do need to do something with our defence. But is it purely on adding to our list and, and rectifying those deficiencies in, in the soonest available convenience, which is not till, well, A, the mid-season draft, or B, the national draft or the trade period, um, in which case it's going to be rough, which I know is not news to Hawks fans, but... Uh, in terms of how we can improve, it's going to be inconsistent for a while yet. Oh, I think Blank will improve as he uh, as he trains against Mitch Lewis. I think uh, having no one to train against for the last few months hasn't been great for him. We've got a question from Christian. We have no key position forwards besides arguably Mitch Lewis. What do we do? Reed is on the radar. Well, again, that question is, what do we do? We simply have to work with our deficiencies in terms of the list. We have to work with the fact that Jack is injured, Cozzy's out of form, and then who else besides those guys? We, we knew this going into the season, and the coaching panel's known it. They left Jacker out of the lineup. Um, then he's been injured twice. Another hammy. Doesn't look good for him. Uh, Cozzy's confidence is still below his feet in terms of, you know, it's just not... It's not happening for him as quickly as he'd like uh either you pick him and hope um because he should be above the level of vfl um or you do what they were doing in the preseason and you play two ruckman one of them rests forward and when things are going badly one of them rests back you know and you just rely on your pace off the halfback flank even though teams have worked out how to slow us down there to score if you've got too many behind the football uh, that's all we can do. That's it. Views from the Nosebleeds wants to talk about Connor McDonald. Should we see more of him in the middle this week with Ward out? He's a midfielder, can find the footy, and has footy smarts. Uh, don't rush, Connor, is what I'd say. I-, I think that is the long-term trajectory for him. I think the fact that we haven't really seen it, even at VFL level, tells me that it's probably not just going to happen like the flick of a switch. I-, I think it's got to do with his tank, to be honest. Yeah, you could be right. But, you know, as an impact player... I think I'd rather Connor McDonald as an impact player um, than an out-and-out midfielder every week. He's certainly not a grunt midfielder. He's the type of midfielder you want caressing the ball down someone's throat in the forward line. Yeah, I've seen that. I think he has the class to do that. and I'm enjoying him in his um, current role, actually, so I, I just want to see more of him in the AFL. I don't think it benefits him 
at this stage to be uh, put back to the VFL. I, I want to see more of him. Uh, this question from Rob. Do we have too many mids and playing the likes of McDonald, Ward and Long out of position? Moore was fantastic in the midfield last year, but a shadow of himself as a permanent forward. Long term, Moore is not going to be a midfielder. He has to work out. <laughs> he's, he's a leader up in that forward line that isn't functioning. And uh, as a result of being a leader, you know, he's probably trying to get other people into the game more than... More than that, he's getting more attention. You know, um, it's it's awfully hard for our for our forwards. They're not putting on pressure against their backmen. Um, the ball's coming in at predictable angles. I mean, we see Long go down there, and he he's like a he's like a randomizer, isn't he? <laughs> because he just sees ball and goes for it. There's no idea of what structure he should be holding, and it seems like he you know that natural way of playing actually worked out quite well, but that's at a smaller ground in Adelaide and he's just reacting to the to the moment. So look it's a it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult without Ward. I, I, I enjoy his game. He's he's a very, very dependable set of hands. I think we've got options to replace him. Um and I I'm excited to see how we do that. Well we'll get to the VFL soon. Um I, I think it's just through an excess of mids. I mean you look at our <laughs> Our draft hand from last year, which was just midfield central. You know, we've stocked up, uh, and and that's in service of this experiment that that we have on our hands this season. We're trying to develop an idea of what's our best mix. You know, what's our plan A midfield, and I think we've already actually bedded that down. Um, and what's the plan B? And what's the plan C? Let, let's give us some options. And if that involves selecting these guys and having them occasionally have to play at half forward or half back, then so be it. Remember, you're thinking the it's the long game that we're playing. So we're going to see some guys out of position for a little while as long as we keep on wanting those rotations and wanting a different look at these combinations. So it all, it all cent- centres around Warple, really, like the midfield and, and where it's going and the future of the midfield. Is he Is he going to be... A luminary of our next midfield as it as it heads forward and 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 a leader or yeah well serious questions about that we had one from Neil uh, pointing out that Warple has really regained form which I agree with but we now have a poor ball user getting a lot of touches in the centre how much is this harming us and what happens next yeah so if you've got nothing to kick to it's going to look like <laughs> do you know what I mean oh I understand that and I'm not going to argue against that I think that we. <laughs> regularly are out of options and maybe we do need that dump kick sometimes maybe that's the only avenue we have left but I think Warple does that to a fault he, he, it's his go-to and you can't hit the boundary line you can't hit the boundary line anymore remember in years past we'd go into defensive mode and then we'd just decide that we would reset in the forward half and Lewis or Hodge or someone would just scrub a kick into the forward 15 and a dump over the line can't do that any longer. Yeah, but you make that sound like it's a recent development. We're, we're going on a decade since that golden era, mate. You've got to adjust. Yeah, well, you can't really adjust because this is this is what happens. You know, if it's 666, you're not allowed to send it out of bounds You're gonna, and you haven't got a forward line that's functioning well or guys that can bring it to ground, it's going to get intercepted and it's going to come back to you really quick. Whereas in the past, you had more leeway. That's what I'm saying. That's Because when people look at Warple, they go, oh, why would he kick it there? Well, he knows that he doesn't have a good option, but he's got to kick it somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure he looks most of the time. 
And I'm going to study that closely going forward. I'm not convinced that he always weighs up the options. I think it's a, a reflexive sort of mechanism that he has about his kicking. And then you look at guys that come into the side, like we'll see McKenzie come back in this week, I'd say. And he has a innate ability to to hit guys on on lees and blokes you don't expect. Sometimes they don't expect the footy to get to them as well <laughs> as it does, um, which is just great to see and, and really enjoyable. But, um, yeah, I, look, there's a lot of pressure on Warps. I think he needs to embrace the pressure. I think in the past it's been very much a problem for him, and I think he can only get better from here. Um and, and I hope he stays with us. Scamasaurus wonders if investing time in Warple is robbing some of the other guys that we have pushing for a spot. What, Long or...? Well, Newcomb, Moore, Ward, McDonald, McKenzie, they're all names that he nominates. None of them are coming off the list. I, I, I don't see any of them as, as being better than Warple right now. Do you? Uh, not to the extent that Warple begins to miss games or anything. Not to the extent that Warple's not considered a key part of this midfield. I think he... I think he very much is. He's well. He's the most senior. He's the most experienced figure of that midfield, isn't he? I think we still need two two more out and out midfielders to to get to the modern game standard. I I, I think we still are too few rotations through there. Yeah. No, you might be right. Uh, next question from Paulie actually speaks to one of the points he made before. He wonders how much of it comes down to our forwards not reading the play as well as we as well as we might hope. Shouldn't a kick out of trouble work out roughly 50-50, noting uh, Warple's efforts this season have been super consistent, which is true. So in a struggling side, um, you've got to look at the guys who are consistent and then the guys that are improving, and then you look at the guys who are just middling. There's very few improving in the forward line. Most of the midfield has, has definitely improved. Some guys have gone beyond expectations. The back line is just holding together. There's no one shining there what did you make of my little exercise that i posted to to twitter the other day a bit of a stock exchange inspired exercise whose stocks are going up who's going down and who's holding firm because i didn't run that past year and and i got some people going yep i agree with this i disagree with that and that's what the exercise is all about i don't begrudge that at all well all it all it led to was a a, to me was a question of um the efficacy of of sicily's captaincy it's a fair question isn't it because we have had some terrific captains uh, it's it's uh, when you it, comparatively Sicily is very young to it, and um, at, like you said earlier, he's getting hung out to dry. He's got a bigger opponent every week, and and usually the best opposition forward, um, and then he's meant to lead the team from the last line of defence as well, which is supremely hard for even the most like he he hasn't even been in the leadership group for that long. So this is all new to him. I don't know. I, I felt most of it was pretty spot on. There were um, question marks about Bramble, um, whether he'd actually improved. You seem to think he had, but he can't. he had a terrible year last year, so it'd be hard not to improve off that. <laughs> Therein lies the point. The bar was low. I also feel like Sam Mitchell has him more in the frame in terms of here's a guy that's going to be one of our main men, and we're going to try to elevate him as such. Uh, whether he's fulfilled that promise yet is somewhat debatable, but he is having a better year than last year. But um, I found it surprising doing that exercise for myself that I did notice by the end of it, I felt as though a large portion of our team had improved off last year, and yet obviously we are 18th. That didn't make sense to me. That's the genius of, of making Chris Newman forward line coach. Oh, <laughs> it's a little facetious, but it's it's obviously not working. It's going to take a few more weeks, probably. 
with with Lewis back. Well, fingers crossed. I, I think that having Lewis available again is a new element that they just haven't had him to work with. They, they need to work out how that looks. I think it's a damn shame because Newman did a wonderful job with the back line. Is, is it a case of it's just not the right fit in terms of coach? Is he just not able to get the best out of the forward line? I guess we'll wait and see. Um, one, one final question before we move on to talking about Box Hill. And this one was a bit of a curveball in that it landed in our inbox. It's an email to our inbox and we were very lucky to see it actually because we don't check that very often. No, well, we don't publicise it. We don't put out our email address or anything like that. It's usually just socials where you can contact us. Nevertheless, Matty found his way to our inbox. Hey, gents, big fan of the show, tuning in from Canada each week to get my footy fix. I'm finding it increasingly frustrating to watch Sam Frost these days. He frost us 50 metre penalties. He frost us momentum at times. He frost us goals from silly mistakes and turnovers. How long will he keep frosting us in the future, do you reckon? Cheers, Matty. Wow. So <laughs> he is definitely coming in for some flack, Frosty. There's there's lots of moments where he just loses his, his head or, you know, there's assumed pressure and, and, and he takes the wrong option. It's a, But consistently he is one of our better defenders and there's no one going to push him out of the lineup mate that, that's just just how it is oh i agree i don't think anyone's coming for his spot so hawks fans better strap in and now melbourne are going to get stuck into him again as they do every year <laughs> I, I just think we're at a place where as supporters you know we recognize that you got to take the bad with the good when it comes to sam frost but right now, there's a lot of Hawks supporters saying, well, no, I actually don't want to take the bad anymore. I don't want Sam Frost in the lineup anymore. Get rid of him. But as you say, Tiz, it just ain't going to happen. So you might as well strap in and just try and make the best of it as a Hawks fan because Sam Frost is in the best 22. No one's coming for his spot. This is what we have. Some weeks it's going to be good. Some weeks it's going to be bad. Some quarters it's going to be good, some quarters it's going to be bad. It's a wild ride when it comes to Sam Frost. Can you imagine being the coach? Because <laughs> you know what he's capable of. He's capable of very, very high defensive pressure. He's capable of taking a small, he's capable of taking a tall. He can run off the half-back line. You probably don't want him to, but he will <laughs> at times. Um, he's got decent skills most of the time, unless he's under pressure. Look, we've had... We've had far worse defenders get years of contracts at Hawthorne than Sam Frost. So um, it's just that the guys around him need to improve as well. Like how how often do you see it's just Sam against two others? I mean, Hardwick had a good game too. But they're developing side. You're going to get these systemic problems. And what round are we? Round eight. My goodness, you know. Well, they're going to get tired from here. On to happier things, eh? Let's talk about the Box Hill Hawks, who had uh, a 57-point win. Almost 15 minutes passed before the first goal of the game. And that's when the Bull Ants got some momentum, some seriously good momentum too. They they looked very good. 25-3 to at quarter time. Box Hill with lots of work to do. Suddenly, by half time, we were 32 points up. And then we cruised to a 57-point win. It was a bit weird. It was a scoring end in that game, obviously, which you don't see in AFL anymore because all the stadiums are so well built. But Box Hill seem to have this bravado that they can come from anywhere to beat you, which is great. 
Love it. <laughs> well, it all started with Sam Butler, who got on the board in the second term and immediately turned to talk trash to the opposition. And and, and that just seemed to... He got back-to-back goals, actually, and that, in the second term, ignited the revival. He slotted three for that quarter, 10 score involvements by the final siren, and just a huge factor. Little John commented on how Butler got his goals. Some snaps, tackle pressure, a contested mark... And here we have a question from Benji, which I think is very much appropriate right now. What does Butler have to do to break into this side? Surely he gets a run over Wingard at the moment, assuming Bruce comes straight in for Brockman with his suspension. Tiz, do you want to see Sam Butler in the senior side? I do, because he gives you energy. He gives you a stimulus uh, within the game. He's capable of just giving you that second wind as a group, you know? Because he's very generous in how he plays the game and how he, you know, brings guys with him. It's not really a leadership thing, but there's those guys in the side where when they're up and about, they make it easier to play. Absolutely. I can identify that with Sam Butler, who is averaging 17 touches for Box Hill this season. He's had, I think, a couple of, well, not bags, because I reckon a bag of goals is over five, but he's had two runs of four goals, another of three. He's uh, kicked a goal in every game that he's played, uh, I don't know what more he can do, really. He's putting his hand up to play, and it's not like our forward line, you know, is invulnerable <laughs> as far as the selection table is concerned. We need answers, and I think Butler could be one of those answers. Most of all, we need bloody pressure on the backs of the opposition. You can't can't keep going like this. Sam Butler's great, but this bloke is better. Cam McKenzie, he was tagged. Was he? <laughs> Well, so says Little John. It's not something I noticed because he was in everything. He had a team-high 30 disposals, a team-high 8 tackles as well, and a goal, 6 uncontested marks. So if he was, in fact, tagged closely, he was able to shake that attention. Just a great attitude, fueling a great overall game. This is a guy who's obviously very, very young, still very raw, but he wants back in this AFL side pronto. You know how you look at players and you can tell they're trying? He doesn't look like he's trying. He just looks like a Rolls-Royce out there. Ball comes to him. In a way that defies his frame and, and overall look, he still looks very young and very boyish, but he's very much in control. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to undercut his industry. The, the amount of times he gets to the contest and doesn't get the ball is, is numerous, but he gets to the contest nearly every time, and his ability to spot the right option is fantastic. Um, I, I can see why they dropped him to get a bit more confidence and, and uh, get a few more, get the ball in his hand a bit more often. Um, but you know, to go out and do eight tackles, uh, that is not what he sets his mind to. Probably, that's not his game. But that is how invested he is in the result. It's great. It was the right call to send him back there, and I think his his attitude. Corresponding with that has been excellent as well. But speaking of great attitude, Max Ramsden dropped from the AFL side after his debut, deployed then as the number one ruck for Box Hill for the first time ever, and just rose to the challenge brilliantly. He had the right attitude, much like McKenzie, as I said, 22 touches, kicked two goals two, an equal team high 11 clearances, really the dominant ruck on the ground with 35 hitouts, and uh, received nine free kicks. So we'll tell you a little bit about what the opposition thought of him and where their anxieties were. <laughs> he's just hard to match up on it's going to be delightful give him two or three years that that kid's going to be fantastic to watch yeah i, I perceive him as being a, a genuine forward threat yeah that's going to give oppositions a lot of headaches uh, i know we're talking mostly about his ruck game in this instance but after all he did kick two goals too 
Max Ramsden, in just about every game he plays, he finds the scoreboard. He's doing very well this season. I know people, there, there might be fans out there that lost a little bit of faith from, from his debut game, but that was a rough initiation. Let's call that for what it was. If, you, if you're worried about that debut game, I challenge you to go back and see James Sisley's debut game. <laughs> I think it was an Easter Monday against Geelong. Yes. Uh, and I was like, oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Uh, there's been a lot made of that with um, his interactions with Clarkson after the game as well. But, you know, that's what spurred him on to such a good AFL career. Yeah. It's about getting a taste, working out that that's what you want, and continuing on. Speaking of Geelong, this guy we plucked from the Cattery in the off-season, uh, Cooper Stevens. Little John described it as Stevens' best game for the club, and I'm inclined to agree. 26 touches, kicked one goal, one, 10 clearances. He's really starting to press his case. I still feel week to week he starts slow, but the way he's able to not lose confidence in that and find his way into the game has been really good to see. Now, what about our dangerously good backman who was sent forward, DGV? (laughs) I would love to know the motivation behind doing that because it wasn't like he was letting the team down. It wasn't, you know, I'll go and find some touch for God's sake. It was nothing about that. Oh, it wasn't that? Well, Box Hill were well in control, and I thought DGB had a pretty good start to the game, and he ended up with 15 touches at 92% disposal efficiency, a team high eight marks, some good intercept play, and he was fiery as always. That's what we've come to expect from Denver. Um, I don't know why they sent him forward. They certainly didn't need to, Box Hill. That last quarter, do we have the scoring end? Uh, yeah, yeah, we did. DGB sent forward and he doesn't uh, kick a goal or anything, but he definitely had far more fun than if he would have been at the other end. Nick, I think that was <laughs> that was quite clear. He was enjoying the uh, I don't know the contest. He was having a good time. Yeah, well, you would too if your team was up by about seven goals and you could pretty much have license to do what you wanted. Well, I love to see that, and also it makes you feel it, it's good to be the hunter every now and again great to be the hunter rather than hunted it's good i'm keen to see if it's an experiment that they revisit at some point we won't get to know for a little while because we've got the buy coming up then a gauntlet awaits so i I don't know if they experiment over the next five games against any of these teams because four of our next five games for box hill uh against teams currently inside the top six and that's a hell of a draw i mean this is ridiculous first up is southport that's going to be tough but it's our home ground. Surely we can get that result. Uh, then Essendon, they're not that good, are they? No, Come no. They're, they're, out of the five games, that's probably the game that we could be most optimistic about, I'd say. Williamstown, Brisbane, and then Gold Coast. <laughs> Who are leading the ladder? Yeah, well, if you don't mind, that final fortnight there, Brisbane is currently second on the ladder. It's going to be tough. So Southport getting that 20th licence, obviously they're pretty damn good. Uh, <laughs> they seem to be going well. I mean, they didn't show up in the grand final, but oh, you can't knock them. That's all right. AFL don't mind that. <laughs> Not showing up in grand finals, that's fine. The only sour note of this game for Box Hill is the fact that Emerson Jekyll did a hammy. Uh, it was in the second quarter. He's out for a month minimum. Um, if you go back and watch the vision... I'd encourage it, not for the hamstring, but a second or two later, Josh Bennett's kicks a wonderful goal on the boundary, which kind of took the edge off. Now, isn't he flying under the radar, Josh Bennett's? My God. 
He's a good little player. Yeah, it's a couple of the smaller blokes for Box Hill that are having a pretty good first season. It's Jack O'Sullivan and Josh Bennett, so I think we can feel pretty good about. Well, Josh Bennett seems to have some kind of uh, wonderful idea about where the ball should be going in, at every moment. Completely I agree. I really enjoy his disposal, and I love his, his sense of goal and his sense of where the game is at. Uh, I have really high expectations for Josh. We should turn our attention, uh, speaking of all things Box Hill, who is pressing their case for the next senior game. It's Hawthorne versus Melbourne at the MCG, Saturday, 4.35pm. Our first home game at the MCG since round one. Yep, it's been two months, and we finally get a home game at the MCG. So is McGuinness coming back? Because that would be my first thought, you know. Mel- he pulled down Melbourne's, you know, they were, they were heading towards a premiership and then McGuinness went out to the wing and shut down their whole game plan and all of a sudden they didn't win the cup. Fabulous. I love that storyline. Let's go with that. And uh... <laughs> Well, I know we were all super impressed with Finn's job on Langdon last year. I would say that Finn at this point is well below that and he's woefully out of touch at this stage. So I don't expect that to happen. Your boy Nash could be a candidate, but then we have to rob him out of the midfield and put him on the outside. On the outside? Oh, whatever you say, Nick. (laughs) Well, what I do know is that we have two guys coming out of the side, uh, Josh Ward with a foot injury, the timeline of which is a bit ambiguous, but the club have said, nah, it's no problem, don't worry about it. Oh yeah, well, how long is he going to be out? Oh, it's a short-term issue. Yeah, what are you thinking, like a couple of weeks? Ah, don't worry about it. Okay, so Ward's out with a foot complaint. Brockman has been suspended, which I thought was a little bit rubbish, but of course not the talk of the week. Um, Who do you bring in? So Mackenzie comes straight back in. Obviously Butler, you could bring him in for Brockman, but you got Bruce in the offing. Yep, Bruce will come back. CJ's right to go. Uh, Mitchell reporting that both those guys have been... Playing a bit under duress by the sounds of it, not being able to get up for that first training session back after the weekend. And they've both had a break now and they look cherry ripe, apparently. And that was interesting to get that context on CJ after we sort of said that his game style had changed. He wasn't running off the halfback flank. He wasn't going for the big flying marks and didn't and looked a shadow of his former self. So it's good to see him uh, get arrested and hopefully he can get back into that form that we know and love him for. So I guess that's at least what we're thinking... Maybe even four changes. Oh, all right. Well, I reckon they're going to bring in McGuinness. They've got to bring him in. you got to... He didn't play on the weekend. What was he doing? You know, he's just sitting there in a trance thinking about Ed Langdon and how how they're going to beat Melbourne again. I've convinced myself. It's going to happen, Nick. You were all over us beating Freo last week. I'm all over us beating Melbourne or drawing like we did in their premiership season. I think that's the verge of delusional. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're a far worse chance than we were last week against Frio. But I will be heading along. Oh, yeah. No, it'll be good fun. Actually, a home game. Yeah, no, wonderful. So you've got to head along to that. Um, it's all about the journey, isn't it? It's all about progress. And, you know, I had a taste of seeing Mitch live against the Bulldogs, Mitch Lewis. And I want a little bit more of that, please. I waited long enough to see Mitch in action this year. I need to see it again. <laughs> now, you can't tell me the Ds were impressive against Gold Coast either, so... Oh, gosh, no. No, no, they, they escaped with a the win there. They almost lost that one. Now, we had a wonderful review on Apple Podcasts, which we both enjoyed reading. Yes, yeah, the pronunciation here that, uh, that stumped me. I- I'm going to give it a crack. Hen Disney Bayon. 
<laughs> if that is your name, I've crushed it. Well, then go, mate. If not, my apologies. The review says, Love this show. Nick and Tears, you always make me smile and think. I don't get to watch the games much these days, but as an avid listener to your show, I feel more informed about the Hawks than ever. That's great to read. I've been reading a lot of stuff about just how poor the AFL, well, the Dane AFL media is uh, is performing for a lot of people and how much they're not enjoying that. So encourage others to turn to fan-based coverage yeah we've received a lot of feedback along those lines lately and that's really lovely and um thank you for that review that was five stars on apple podcasts and it really makes our day whenever we happen to to read something like that it's a lovely review so if you want to take a moment and if you enjoy our work and and want to tell the world about that that'd be awesome and we've got to reserve some gratitude to um damo because he's just doing such a piss poor job at covering hawthorne that people turn away (laughs) exactly yeah they're more inclined to listen to us which i am very grateful for um word of advice just don't look if if a journo (laughs) is pissing you off just tune out you don't need it in your lives there's a reason why on our socials i I never do sliding doors anymore i don't retweet footy classified it's because i don't actually tune into them I, i don't read any of that stuff either so like that's been a big key to my enjoyment of this season you didn't see people trying to um, hold Kane Corns to his to his convictions about certain players this week. How interesting! Wasn't that thrilling? I just think it's so tedious, and yeah, I've been able to discover what about the AFL media game that I enjoy and what detracts from my enjoyment, and I've just cut all that stuff loose. So, thank you for everyone that's done the same and that's come over to us, and we're. we're Really grateful to have you, and uh, you can join us online too. Uh, our Hawk Talk Pod community grows every day, which is so great to see. You can get on board via Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to have you there. And lastly, as always, a huge thanks from both of us here at Hawk Talk Pod HQ to our many proud, passionate, and paid-up Patreon subscribers. You guys play such a huge part in making this podcast everything that it is in a very real sense. You help us put time into this show week in, week out. You help make it happen, so thanks for that. Now, for any of our listeners who haven't subscribed and you're keen to get on board and get access to some sweet bonus content for your troubles, do head to patreon.com slash hawktalkpod for all the details. Now, of course, if you don't come to this week's uh, home game, you can always go to our home game against Brisbane on June 10, or, or, or failing that, uh, Carlton, but that's to be advised. <laughs> yeah, that, that did actually um, catch me off guard, the fact that they haven't really announced the specifics of the second half of the season yet. Round 14, we have the bye, and, uh, but, you know, it's all about that match against West Coast. Oh, it's getting exciting. <laughs> I mean, I know you're being facetious, but that obviously has huge implications. Were there to be an absolute demolishing of West Coast, Adam Simpson could find himself on the scrap heap, which would mean they would have a new coach for the following game against us. And you know what that (laughs) means, Nick. You know what that means. Well, we can see where you sit, whether you want Harley Reid or whether you want us to keep winning. No, no, no. In this scenario, no tanking is required. (laughs) So, I've got to say, I am coming around to um, the idea of, you know, I'm, I'm happy to... I want to see progress. I want to see development in the side. But... I don't know, Harley Reid, mate. The more you read, the more you hear about him. You're not watching the Carlton twos, are you? Because, uh, oh, God, yeah. no. No, I'm not that into it. Jeez. All right, good. <laughs> but all I'm saying is you, you begin to warm up to the idea of, look, well, I don't want the spoon, but if if the price is the spoon for this guy, then it might all be fine. Look, 
All I did was I found a way where I couldn't feel guilty about West Coast winning. <laughs> well, is this our sign-off? Is this me saying, well, a lot for us to look forward to here at Hawk Talk HQ? Hashtag Sack Simpson. There you go. Oh, my God. That is awful. <laughs> <laughs> Think about the motivations behind that. That is just one of the worst things I've heard. I don't don't know how he keeps his job, to be honest, with some of their performances, but the injury list is ridiculous. And uh, the only way I could think of Hawthorne actually getting the result that so many fans are keen for was if they um, did move him on. Well, plenty to play out until we get to that. We've got our clash against Melbourne, Saturday, 4.35pm, mate. I don't know how we're going to go. Well, actually, no, it's a lie. I'm pretty confident that... We might be rolled this week. Melbourne are a good club. We're on the build, the slow and steady build back to where we were. Um, how are you feeling? I hate Melbourne, mate. I, I hate it. And, I, and they're unbackable favourites. Mate, it could make it all the sweeter when we do pinch that W. You just never know. That's why you got to rock up to the footy and support your team. Because you never know. It could be your week to witness some pure magic. It could be a win over the Ds. I guess we'll find out. Either way, we're going to be back next week to recap all the action right here on the Hawk Talk podcast. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.